Hi, and welcome to BJGP Interviews. My name is Nada Khan, and I'm one of the associate editors of the BJGP. Thanks for taking the time today to listen to this podcast. In today's episode, we talk to Professor John Emery, who is the Herman Chair of Primary Care Cancer Research at the University of Melbourne. We're going to discuss a paper he and his team have recently published in the BJGP titled The CRISP Trial, an RCT of a decision support tool for risk-stratified colorectal cancer screening. So thanks, John, for speaking to me today. Um, I just wanted to start by talking about the background to this research. And in the introduction to this paper, you talk about the recommended screening program in Australia and then what actually happens in practice. What are the discrepancies between the recommendations and what happens on the ground? And how did this impact on why you decided to conduct this study? Sure. So in Australian guidelines, we do have uh, some degree of risk-based uh, colorectal cancer screening uh, based just on age and family history. Uh, and so those who are put in the moderate risk category based on their um, age and family history would be recommended to start colorectal cancer screening earlier, so from the age of 40. And um, initially for that first decade to use uh, immunochemical FOBT or FIT testing um, every two years and then switch to five-yearly colonoscopy from the age of 50. So those are our current sort of risk-based guidelines compared to those who are average risk who rec- recommend to start FIT uh, every two years from the age of 50. And so that's what's meant to happen. But there's a mismatch between about 20% of people who would be considered to be at average risk. They may have some family history, but not sufficient to get them across that moderate risk threshold, um, are having colonoscopies instead. Uh, so putting them at greater risks of harm from more invasive procedures and adding to healthcare costs. Um, about 60% of people who are at moderate risk and or high risk are not actually being recognised, so they're being underscreened. And then to add to the, um, the stats around this mismatch, uh, of the um, population who are sent their fit kit in the post every two years from the age of 50, the majority of whom will be at average risk. Only 44% of people actually complete that kit. So we have a mix of under and over screening and the risk-based program using just age and family history, which we know are not very good discriminators of risk. So this was a randomised controlled trial of 10 general practices in Melbourne, but tell me a bit more about the intervention you use here in the CRISP tool. So the CRISP tool is an electronic uh, risk assessment tool, and it also provides uh, tailored recommendations around the type of colorectal cancer screening um, based on your 10-year risk of colorectal cancer. Uh, It takes into account additional risk factors above and beyond age and family history, uh, using a validated Australian risk prediction model. Uh, so it accounts for other things such as diet, so red meat and fruit intake, uh, smoking history, previous use of non-steroidal anti-inflammatories, uh, calcium supplements, and previous bowel cancer screening history. So it's a more complex risk prediction model uh, that we know discriminates uh, more accurately than age and family history alone. Uh, and so the tool implemented that risk model and as I say, gave a, a tailored recommendation around uh, recommended screening. Now, we implemented this uh, as an efficacy trial. So that's one of the important points. So this was a trial where um, 
we identified patients who were attending general practice and had an appointment to see their GP. And then actually it was the research team who delivered the risk assessment in a standardised way. So that's an important point, really, just in terms of uh, this is still a relatively early on in terms of implementation. Uh, but so they, uh, patients were randomised to have their risk assessed using the CRISP tool, and then they were given a, a risk assessment and a risk report, which uh, had quite specific ways of communicating risk as well within that risk tool. And then they went to see their GP after that appointment. Um, and the idea was that they would then discuss that risk report. Uh, if they were due um, FOBT screening, uh, we also actually demonstrated how to do the kit uh, as a way of increasing the self-efficacy to complete the kit, because again, we know that's one of the many barriers to completing the kit. So it was a complex intervention of both elements around uh, targeting risk-appropriate screening plus some components to both get the patient and their GP to head them down the right pathway of completing the right form of screening. If, if they were at increased risk, then, the, um, then we were uh, expecting the GP to read the report and then refer them on to colonoscopy. So that was the intervention. In the control arm, um, uh, participants received uh, a brief presentation around um, ways to reduce their bowel cancer risk, uh, mainly focused on lifestyle factors and just a very brief, brief bit of information around uh, bowel cancer screening in general. So the CRISP tool, um, as you mentioned in the paper, it's available online as an online tool. Um, is this something that you think in the future patients might be able to complete themselves? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. We, um, it is designed to be relatively uh, user-friendly. But when in, in some of our early development work, using it with GPs and practice nurses, the feeling was that this is something that would fit quite well with a practice nurse being the person that would deliver this intervention. We did do a small uh, study where we actually tried, uh, actually in the waiting room, using iPads, um, getting patients to use the tool. Uh, one of the problems, and partly because the tool was always designed with the idea that it would be a clinician using it, um, is that some of the risk variables in the tool uh, can be a bit complicated to answer. And so, so, so for example, questions around anti-inflammatories and around calcium supplements, when patients were completing that themselves, they were often confused around you know, the, the sorts of drugs that they were actually taking and whether they were relevant. So we found that there were some of the questions that, that are in the risk prediction model created some barriers for certain groups, and particularly uh, people for whom English wasn't their first language, uh, that made it harder to complete that information accurately. Now, that's not saying that we couldn't redesign the tool to try and solve some of those problems, um, but it was uh, uh, initially designed on the basis of some co-design work early on uh, to be used um, as a tool in, in a consultation, but, but with the feeling that this is the, the sort of thing that could be done by a practice nurse and, um, and then go on to actually talk about the risk assessment with their GP based on feedback from GPs and nurses in Australia, at least. Okay. So the main outcome here was the proportion of participants who completed a risk-appropriate colorectal cancer screening at 12 months. So what were the main results and what, what did you find here? 
So the primary outcome, which included the whole cohort, um, found a, a 6.5% increase, um, and that's an absolute increase in risk-appropriate screening across the cohort. Though the 95% confidence intervals around that did cross uh, zero. So that wasn't a statistically significant result. In a planned um, explanatory analysis, where we actually just looked at participants who, during that 12-month follow-up period, were due some form of screening. So the group in whom we, if we were going to identify effect, were most likely to, we, we demonstrated a 20% increase in risk-appropriate screening in those during that 12-month follow-up uh, who were due some form of screening. And that was mainly due to increased um, use of uh, fit testing in those at average risk bearing in mind that 95% of participants were in that average risk group. One result that I wanted to pick up on was about overscreening and in terms of colonoscopies and overuse of the FIT tests. Do you want to comment at all about how CRISP might impact on overscreening and what the implications might be for patients? Yeah, or so there, was, there was this sort of flip in that although we demonstrated increased risk-appropriate screening, there was some overuse of screening in the higher that was higher in the intervention group, mainly due to um, increased use of fit testing, though there were some colonoscopies in both arms that uh, occurred in, in average risk participants. One of the problems at, at the time when this trial was running was that GPs didn't always have access to information around when a person was actually due their next fit test for a variety of reasons around where the results of previous fit tests ended up, and uh, particularly if somebody wasn't a regular patient in that uh, uh, practice. Uh, so we think that th there are ways that you could reduce that over-screening that are more to do with access to information around when somebody is due. In, in Australia, we now have a uh, national cancer screening register uh, that is integrated into the GP software. So you can actually very easily now look up when a person is next to their bowel cancer screening. But that wasn't available at the time of the um, trial. We think that's one way of potentially reducing that effect of over-screening there. The other thing to say, though, there are some people, uh, particularly if they are used to having regular colonoscopies and their gastroenterologist has told them against guidelines that they should continue to be having colonoscopies, that that's a difficult behaviour to change, both from a patient point of view and from a GP point of view. So I suppose some of it, I mean, thinking about sort of a pragmatic design, there's going to be a cohort of patients who are going to be overscreened just through their own preferences or the preferences of their specialists. Okay. I suppose you talked a little bit about um, information being embedded in the practice systems. And with the CRISP tool, because it uses some information about lifestyle, is this something that could be implemented as a risk prediction score within practice software at all, do you think? Yeah, it's a good question. And thinking about the UK context where uh, some of these risk prediction tools are better integrated into the GP's medical record, a lot of the variables that are in the CRISP model are potentially available uh, in the EMR. There are some that aren't, mainly dietary ones, but obviously, you know, anti-inflammatory use to some extent will be in there. Calcium supplement use may be, uh, previous screening certainly will be, and 
family history is still an important element of this. And again, that isn't that well recorded in the uh, GP medical record routinely. So there are still some variables that would require a degree of data entry to occur. Uh, I think it's unlikely that you could fully automate it uh, because there, there are still some, uh, as I say, variables in the risk prediction model that require a patient questioning and data entry. But you could imagine a, a, certainly a drop-down template that could collect most of this information relatively easily. Okay. Any other key findings you want to highlight from this research? Um, so I guess really about our future direction. Obviously, this risk prediction model accounted for a, a lifestyle risk prediction uh, model and uh, and really used family history as the sort of proxy for genomics, but of course, shared environment. Uh, we know that you can actually predict risk more accurately if you combine this kind of a risk prediction model uh, with a polygenic risk score. So where you look at common genomic variants that also uh, predict bowel cancer risk. So in the ideal world, uh, if you really wanted to increase the accuracy of risk prediction, you would do both. Uh, and so at the moment, some of our, our future work is around trials of incorporating polygenic risk scores into some of this risk assessment as well. And how do you see the CRISP tool as being implemented into practice so this has been an implementation study um do you think that this is something that could be rolled out more widely in australia i think so i think one of the the um the, the challenges that we face in australia but in other countries as well is how quickly um guidelines are keeping up with risk prediction and so you know for the last uh, 20 years risk-based screening for bowel cancer and breast cancer as well um, has just used age and family history while we actually have better ways of predicting risk. Um, and most national screening programs still continue to operate as a single population strategy. I think you know, in increasingly it's being uh, recognised that actually risk stratified screening is a more cost-effective way uh, and particularly reducing some of the harms of screening for people who are at low risk, um, but also of increasing your intensity of screening in those who are more likely to develop cancer. So in the Australian policy context, um, there is a growing recognition that we should be thinking about uh, moving away from that sort of single size fits all population screening uh, to how would we actually implement more risk-based screening which inevitably will, will require greater input from general practice. Um, because it's very, you know, at the moment, obviously, we just send out kits in the post. And we don't worry about people's risk. So there are some sort of policy changes to, that, that eventually need to sort of keep up with the tension between what's a relatively simple program to deliver, where you just send out kits in the post and you do your best to just increase participation to how would you actually um, move to a more risk-based program that integrates general practice much more into that model. But we know already that any involvement of general practice will increase participation in, in bowel cancer screening. And uh, what we've shown that you can actually increase more risk-tailored screening uh, uh, using these types of approach, um, such as the CRISP tool. We're still at that point where from a national screening program, we're still going down that one size fits all. But at the same time, 
there needs to be um, a gradual shift towards or how do we actually change our whole model of delivering cancer screening at a national level uh, that does account for risk in a more systematic way. So I think we're, you know, and that's exactly where the CRISP tool would, would sit. In the meantime, people coming along asking about their family history and whether or not they should have a colonoscopy, then actually using the CRISP tool would provide you a more accurate way of actually saying, well, yeah, you you, you probably should have a colonoscopy or actually you would be just as well having just a bit better. Yeah. So hopefully all this research will contribute to a growing body of findings about personalised cancer screening for the future. So great. Okay. Well, thanks very much for that, John. Um, thanks very much for taking the time to speak to us today. Well, thank you very much, Nella. And thank you all for listening as well. It's been great to hear more about the future of personalised cancer screening from the Australian perspective. And if you'd like to read the original research article, it can be found on bjgp.org and the show notes and podcast audio can be found at bjgplife.com. Thanks again for joining us today and bye.